Let's pray once more before we go to God's word. Lord, we do pray now as we open your word that you would help us. God, I cannot preach this sermon uh, apart from the fact that it is your word. So please uh, speak to us through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Men, I might be about to throw you under the bus right now, but I am right there with you. I was talking with our brother Casey a couple months ago, and he made this statement. I am really good at starting projects. Now, I I think Casey was being a bit self-deprecating because he completes more projects than most start. But maybe you can relate. Do you have a lot of unfinished projects around the house? A half-painted room, an unfinished deck, or maybe, like me, it's as simple as a basket of laundry that never seems to put itself away. Well, in our text tonight, we're going to see that God has work in the world that is unfinished. But his unfinished work isn't like ours at all. God's work is unfinished, not because he's procrastinated or because of laziness, but because of his mercy. And part of that mercy is his his invitation for us to come and help him finish the work. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 56 tonight. Isaiah chapter 56, and we're going to be focusing on verse 8. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 8. This morning we spent our time reading about Jesus' heart for the harvest that was right in front of his disciples' eyes. Tonight we're going to the Old Testament, and I want us to see that this harvest work isn't just something that was on Jesus' heart. Rather, that it's been on the heart of the Father from the beginning, that it's a part of his plan of redemption. So we are going to the book of Isaiah. So before we start reading, just a quick big picture of Isaiah. Tim hit this this morning, but in Isaiah, we have the first 39 chapters uh, focusing on judgment and repentance, um, warning. And then in chapter 40, we have a shift. The, the first part of chapter 40 starts out, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. So there is a shift to comfort, to the news of salvation. In these following chapters after 40, God starts to remind his people of who he is. He is God alone, the faithful God, and he reminds them of his plan to save them. When we get to chapter 55, we have an invitation And this invitation is the invitation of the gospel. Think of how this echoes the words of Jesus to the woman at the well in John 4. Isaiah 55 says, Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. And you without silver, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. In our verse tonight, as we come to chapter 56, God is expanding on this invitation. He is emphasizing that when he says, come, everyone who is thirsty, he means everyone. And so you'll notice as we read in chapter 56, that the foreigner is not excluded from this invitation. We're going to focus on verse 8, but for context, let's begin reading right at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 56. 
This is what the Lord says. Preserve justice and do what is right, for my salvation is coming soon, and my righteousness will be revealed. Happy is the person who does this, the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. No foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, The Lord will exclude me from his people. And the eunuch should not say, Look, I am a dried up tree. For the Lord says this, For the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and who choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. As for the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to become his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, all who hold firmly to my covenant, I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is the declaration of the Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel. I will gather to them still others besides those already gathered. We're going to be focusing on verse 8, so I'll read that again. This is the declaration of the Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel. I will gather to them still others besides those already gathered. If you're taking notes tonight, our main point is this. The gathering is not done, so be a laborer in the harvest. The gathering is not done, so be a laborer in the harvest. Um, And to organize our time together, I'm going to make three brief uh, arguments, and then we'll spend the rest of our time in application. So, just three observations Number one, God is gathering a harvest from all nations. God is gathering a harvest from all nations. Number two, he wants to use his people in the work of gathering. And number three, this gathering work is not done. It is not complete. So number one, God is gathering a harvest from all nations. He says, I will gather to them. That is Israel, those of Israel who have already been gathered. I will gather to them still others besides those already gathered. So the question that we have to ask is, who is this referring to? Who is it that is being gathered besides those already gathered? Well, this verse is written to God's people who have been exiled and Scattered, And so to the original reader, this immediately is a statement of great comfort. God will gather those of his house who have been dispersed. He is the God who gathers the dispersed. However, based on those first seven verses we read, we cannot conclude that this refers only to ethnic Israel. In this chapter, God is telling his people that the invitation to come to him for salvation extends beyond the boundaries of ethnic Israel and to the foreigner as well. In the verse just before this, he says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. 
And so it's not just that God will gather the, the dispersed, but that he will continue to gather still others not yet included in the house of Israel. So God is gathering his chosen people, true Israel, to himself. Number two, God wants to use his people in the work of gathering. In his mercy, God has made it clear from the beginning that he intended that his people Israel would be an instrument in showing his glory to the nations. When God first makes his promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, he says that through his descendants, all the families of the earth earth will be blessed. And then in the passage um, that we read this morning, Isaiah 49, verse 6, God says to Israel, It is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of, J- tribes of Jacob and restoring the protective ones of Israel. I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So God has others to gather from all nations, and he wants to use his people, in this case Israel, to do the work. So number three, we have to answer this question, has this work been done, or is God still gathering? And my third argument is that the gathering work is still not done. And for that, we look to the New Testament, and Jesus' teaching to his followers is clear. There is still a harvest to be gathered. As he leaves the earth, he commissions his disciples to go to all nations and preach the gospel. And in 2 Peter 3, we read that the reason Christ has delayed his second coming is that he is patient for this harvest to be gathered. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. There is still a harvest to be gathered, and God wants to include his people in the joy of doing it with him. So church, I I think that the main way we apply this verse tonight is simply to let it motivate us. I think we were motivated this morning from the joy of participating in God's mission in the world, and there is motivation for us here as well. Now, motivation can be sort of temporary and short-lived. Perhaps you've heard that discipline is better than motivation, and I think that's true. Motivation without discipline almost always fizzles out. There are a lot of motivated people in the gym the first week of January, But if you're in the gym in the third week of September, you probably have some discipline. That being said, at its best, motivation can get us moving. So this, let this motivate you. The harvest is not complete. Based on what we've seen from this verse, the context of Isaiah 56, and what we've read in the book of John this morning, we can say this with confidence. Not all who will be gathered have been gathered. Not everyone who will be saved has been saved. There are people in the world right now, possibly in your life right now, who will come to Christ, but haven't yet. There may be someone at your job right now who is going to become a Christian, who hasn't yet. 
There may be someone in your family right now who will one day have their sins washed by the blood of Christ. They haven't called out to him yet. There may be someone living on your street who will one one day testify to their neighbors about the love of God. You may simply brush shoulders with someone in a coffee shop or sit next to someone on a bus or a plane that will one day sing the praises of God with us who hasn't heard the gospel yet. And God, in his mercy, may use you to do it. So that can motivate us in hard moments. You will be rejected, but there are people out there in the world, in your life, who will be saved. Not everyone who, has, who will be saved has been saved. Now, to be clear, we are not going to save anyone. Look at the first part of our verse tonight. <clears throat> this is the declaration of the Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel. It is God who gathers. It is a part of his plan of, of redemption from eternity past to gather his chosen people to himself. He alone can save. He is the one who does it. But again, in the New Testament, we are invited to work, to be an instrument in the, Lord, in the Lord's hand. As he harvests, we can sit on the sidelines or we can be the tool that he uses to do it. This is the plea that Jesus makes to his followers. Lift up your eyes, look at the fields, go and work. And then with this gospel hope as our motivation, we can add to it discipline. When we think of disciplines, we can start with the disciplines we talk of often, the spiritual disciplines. Those are certainly fuel for this work. But also the discipline of getting uncomfortable, of speaking when we don't want to, of starting conversations when we don't want to. The discipline of saying, I will find a way to share the gospel with one person this week. Or of scheduling intentional times of evangelism. And I just want to say I'm encouraged and convicted by the way this is happening. I don't feel like I'm qualified to preach this sermon. I feel like this is somewhere I need to grow. I'm just encouraged by recently the way we've seen intentional times scheduled to go out. And just by the way, week after week, people are putting their hands up and saying, yeah, I, I got uncomfortable this week. So church, let's, let's keep doing more of the same. And, and if you're not a part of that effort, let's get going. There are more people that belong to God's church than are in it right now. So let's go find them. I'll close with Proverbs 10.5. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. That's obviously a really practical proverb. Okay, don't be lazy. But how much more should we not be spiritually lazy in a time of spiritual harvest. The harvest has not been fully gathered, so let's be laborers in the harvest. Let's pray. Father, help us to do this. Give us this motivation by your spirit and the discipline to see it through. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.